Hello, and welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I'm Dana Marie Rockmore, the founder of the Dinner Party Project and co-founder of The Welcome House. I'll be inviting intriguing guests over to my home to chat about some of my favorite things, cocktails, story, the Enneagram, and rest. So as you may know, or may not know at all, cocktails are kind of my thing. At the end of a long day, or any day really, crafting a drink, whether it's simple or more complex, I really look forward to a delicious cocktail. Plus, it makes all conversations better. Tito's Handmade Vodka is always a go-to for me. It's the perfect thing to have on hand to make just about any cocktail. That is what I love about Tito's. It's so versatile. Anything from a Moscow Mule to an Elderflower Martini to a White Russian. Plus, Tito's Handmade Vodka has won a million awards, but for real. It's been distilled six times and won the SF World Spirit Championship. So the next time you are looking for an incredibly drinkable cocktail, pick up some Tito's Handmade Vodka. Plus, you should head over to titosvodka.com to read up more about their story and pick up some delightful recipes. Well, hello, Kay. Welcome to the Cocktails and Conversation podcast. Thank you. I'm yes. delighted to be here. I'm so glad. Thank you for sitting on my couch and sharing a drink with me. Oh, I know. Cheers. So this is cheers. Delicious. Good. Good, delicious. good, good. Thank you. This has become one of my new favorite cocktails. I've been doing it on New Year's Eve. So oh. just kind of like buying a bunch of stuff and, and um, kind of having them on repeat on New Year's Eve is a little dangerous, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's delicious. So it is Tito's with um, St. Germain, so elderflower. So it's oh. an elderflower martini. So super simple, lemon juice, um, a tiny splash of simple syrup, Tito's and St. Germain. And I think adding elderflower to pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. Just I don't know. There's just yep. a, a nice, fresh kind of taste to it. So. I can I can never say no to an an, an elderflower in anything yeah, cocktail. Agree. Um, there's definitely something about kind of like the art of the cocktail and sometimes coming home after a long day. Um, even if it's something simple like this, like I love to have like a drink, maybe two. Um, but do you have like do you have a favorite cocktail or a favorite go to drink or like Gosh, what I, is yeah, like what do you feel, order like on I the know. regular? <laughs> I feel like I go through seasons. So um, very often, I mean, as you know, I'm I go to a lot of events. Sure. So vodka soda is is a vodka a, soda is a standard okay. because um, you can. Um, you can have them and, and, I don't know, one will last you quite a while. Sure. Um, Not a lot of sugar. No, exactly. No. So if you're out on the circuit and you're you're out a, a quite a few nights <laughs> in the week, then that's that's definitely a go-to. Right. Um, but I love Moscow Mules. Um, that's definitely one of my favorites. Same. Cosmopolitan. Cosmopolitan. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Luma in Park Avenue do a white linen. And I think that has elderflower in it. I feel like I've heard of that drink is, before. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what's in it. Okay. I just know I love, love it. it. Yeah, okay. that's it's definitely one of my faves. Fair enough. Do you have a limit when you're out? Like, do you, are you oh, like... Oh, gosh, yeah. I yeah. mean, um, it, here's a fun story for you. Fun fact. Okay. So, um, you know when your credit card company sends you an end of year... Well, mine does send you like a statement review. Yeah, how much you spent exactly. Yeah, so travel. My blah blah blah. My Uber pages. I have about ten pages of Uber. Okay. So that will tell you because you know that drinking and driving is a no-no. It really is, um, and it's 100%. not worth it. Yeah. And you may you may think you're okay after two, or you may think you're okay after three, but you're not. 
And so... You I'm, just know. Yeah, you know. And so I will use Uber 99% of the time. Right. Um, because... I know I'm going to be offered drinks. Um, I do love cocktails and I love wine. Yes. So why risk it and be, you know... Be and you stu- live in such a fabulous location that you can, like, oh my so gosh. easily get to so many places. I am, um, I think, pretty I mean, much a $6 Uber ride from anywhere that I would like to go. <laughs> right. So it's just perfect. Um, yeah. And like I said, you know, and, and also then you do away with having to park and... Paying for parking. Paying for parking. Downtown. Right. Ugh, yeah. It's a nightmare. So Uber's, Uber and Lyft are my friends. Yes. They really are. Um, Good I use call. Them a lot. Good so, call. Good call. <laughs> do you, could you tell me like your top two or three places to grab a cocktail in town? Um, obviously love Mathers. I have seen you many a times. Yeah. Yes. So Mathers is just, um, I call it a grown up drinking place. Yeah. Because I fair enough, and then the Grand Bohemian, um, and I think a lot of that is um, again its proximity. So I love, love, love going to shows at Dr. Phillips, going to shows at the Amway. Who doesn't? And so yeah, did Grand you? Bo- the Grand Bo is get to see Hamilton. I did go to did. see Hamilton. I oh, loved it. You I, lucky dog. I loved it. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, I was talking to some friends about it, and they were like, what did you think? Because obviously, I'm now an American, but born a Brit. Yes. And I said, well, funnily <laughs> enough, I said, this is a period of, of history that Brits just don't ever... Um, no, learn uh, about. No, learn about. Sure. I mean, we learned about the Romans. We learned about Henry VIII. So our history goes back such a long way. And I also, we lost. So, I mean, <laughs> we're not going to talk about right. what happened in America. Relearn everything that happened across the planet. Right, yeah. Fair we're enough. Not, we're not going to talk about that. Fair enough, um, yeah. So, it's pretty funny. But it, I just thought it was amazing. I absolutely, I loved it. And I love that we have the Dr. Phillips Center. I think it adds such an amazing um, thing to our, our community. Yeah. Um, you know. I was driving by the other day and I was like, can you imagine that a couple years ago, like, this wasn't here? It wasn't here. No. Like, and it now, it just now, seems like such a fixture in Orlando that's been here, like, as an establishment. Right. But thankfully... And now there's going to be a home for the ballet and for the mm-hmm. Philharmonic, who, by the way, were amazing the other night. I went to see Andrea Bocelli, and it was our that, Orlando yeah. Philharmonic Orchestra. Yeah. Him, which is just... All oh. the chills. <laughs> I mean, seriously, how incredible. If, you, if you're if you in that orchestra and you can now say on your resume, I played with Andrea Bocelli. Right. It was like... It's ha- pretty special. It's pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, and you know, I'm happy for the ballet that they're going to have a home. Um, I don't know if you went to um, Immerse, the um, Creative City project. Not Creative City. Um, Cole Nismith's project. Immerse. Immerse, yeah. Yeah. So... They had the ballet, I know. and they killed it. Mm-hmm. They absolutely yep. killed it. And yep. I love that they did something very kind of modern. Um, it was almost like a West Side Story kind of sharks and jets. Right. Kind of routine. They had the two battling. Yeah, yeah I which, think I saw that. Which, you know, if you've got younger people who are like, oh, ballet, you know, that's people floating around in tutus. You know, ballet dancers are incredibly athletic, incredibly strong, and amazingly talented. Absolutely. And I think showcasing it in that way mm-hmm. to an audience who 
probably wouldn't pay normally to go and see a ballet or like oh okay maybe I would check this out hadn't otherwise been exposed to the ballet yeah which, right, I, which to is the why Immerse is such an amazing yeah. thing because it brings all of those elements that we have in our city all together and and people Showcase who wouldn't them. yeah and, and people who wouldn't normally you know the Philharmonic I remember the first year I went standing in the on the grass in the middle and they had the Philharmonic on three stages kind of split up and so you could stand in the middle so it yeah. was like being in the orchestra surrounded and was, by it was such a surreal experience yeah right it was amazing so when you're on the street and the street is shut down and when you've got artists like the Red Bull dancers and then you yes. could go like write a, a, a citizen O letter oh and then get your picture taken by David Lawrence you know I what I mean know. like it just was, and I don't know if you saw the um I posted it because I I'd had coffee with Cole um there was a couple who had um, done the Citizen O, so they'd pulled out a letter, and it was from this other couple, and it said, if you're reading this, and you're around in November, we're getting married. Stop. He- no, seriously. We're getting married um, in Lake- on Lake Eola, oh, uh, blah, blah, blah. Please come. And so they did. Oh, my, God. Oh my <laughs> gosh. It's honestly, it's the most beautiful story. And I'm like, that is... Orlando. That is Orlando. Yeah. That is Orlando. And now they've become friends, and it's just the, the sweetest story. Yeah. Um, and, and again, who knew? And so I, I love that this city can still surprise you mm-hmm. and still delight you, that there's all these things going on, and that's sure. why I love living here. Yes, likewise. I think that kind of leads into kind of the story um, of like why I wanted to kind of sit down and talk about stories. There's so many amazing people in this city that have incredible stories and um, a lot of times we don't know, we know what they do and maybe what they're accomplishing within our city, but I love to like know like what it was that like brought them to this place and um, you know there's so much that shapes us that shapes us. Um, there's a lot that happens to us that's out of our control. Sure. Um, our DNA, you know, the family of origin that we're placed in, um, all of that is out of our control. And as we grow up into an adult, so then we get to choose what we do with that. And so sometimes it's interesting to see where people came from sure. and what that looked like to get them to be able to, like how hard they had to fight or what advantages they had sure. to, um, mm-hmm. to get to the places, um, that they are in currently. Um, so I would love to know <laughs> <laughs> a little bit about your story sure. and what, uh, growing up in your family was like, um, what your parents were like, what your birth order, if you had siblings, mm-hmm. like what was the beginning of K? Sure. I don't uh, even know your maiden name. So. <laughs> Donaldson. Donaldson. Yeah. K. So, yeah. Donaldson started. So, uh, yeah. And so my mom is, her maiden name is Falconer. Okay. So she's Scottish and three of my grandparents were Scottish. So had oh. this, yeah. So have this, um, uh, love for Scotland. Um, that's where we spent all our vacations as kids, we sure. got to stay with my my grandparents. Uh, so I'm one of five. One of five, me too. Oh, there you go. Yes. So my mom ran away from home when she was 16. Um, her her dad was was not the the nicest of people. Um, and so so she's, your grandfather. Yeah, yeah. Which I knew him, but 
not very well. Um, he died when I was fairly young. Um, but she she ran away from Scotland and, and came down to uh, Stoke-on-Trent, which is where my dad, obviously where she met my dad. Right. And she started working for a doctor. So he was a Scottish doctor. And so she was his um, receptionist, um, housekeeper. That, that was in the days when a lot of doctors had their practices in their home. So he had a beautiful uh-huh. home. And he would use his parlor, I guess. <laughs> To receive patients. Yes, yes. Um, That's so foreign. I know. It's so (laughs) unusual. But he became an uh, an amazing, almost like a surrogate dad, I think, for my my mom. Uh, My dad was in the RAF when they met, the Royal Air Force. Okay. um, Doing his national service. Um, He had to learn Russian. Is that a requirement? Um, it was at the time. Okay. Yeah. So he, like that was two his, years or something. Yeah, that was his national service. But he stayed on and he did um, listening in on Russian um, intelligence. Russian, yeah. So quite. An, right. Yeah. He had to learn Russian. So. Um, did you pick up on any of that? No. 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 Yes. No, no. By the time, by the time when they got married, my dad um, started working in a bank and progressed to be a bank manager eventually. Um, my granddad. Um, on his side lived with us so and I was telling somebody this the other day and it's such a funny thing to think about there was eight of us so I'm the seven of us and and my granddad living in one house right with one bathroom oof one bathroom sure you figure it you know what you figure it out you do you figure it out were there um, any boys in the bunch? Oh yeah, so there's I'm second in line. There's a boy at each end. So okay. um, I have an older brother and a baby brother, and then two sisters who are both younger than me. Sure. Um, so we, I mean, I, I I honestly would say we had an idyllic um, childhood. We were, we had a, hu- a we had a huge garden, not a massive house, but a massive garden. Okay. Um, and so I have so many amazing... Did they still have it, Garden? No, my mom and dad live in a, a small house now, Okay. obviously. Sure. Uh, they're in their 80s now, and right. they don't need all that they space. They don't need that huge garden. Um, but growing up, it was it was an amazing place to, to be, and all our friends would come over because we had the best garden, and mm-hmm. we had a... Um, we actually had an air raid shelter um, underneath our garden. You had to go down some steps underground, and it became our, our kind of den and our... Hangout. Our hangout place. Sure. It was amazing. Um, I'm still very close to, all, you know, my, my brothers and sisters. Um, sure. Thank, you, thank goodness for FaceTime, WhatsApp, all of those amazing technological things. Do they still mostly live um, in the UK? Or no, so... I was spread out? Yeah, I was the rebel child. Okay, here we are. Danger, <laughs> shock. <laughs> Although, actually, my the second sister in line to me, um, she actually lives in Texas now. And that was because I moved and she moved as well. But I was always the... And I think some of that comes from being the oldest girl. So you have to fight... Your way. For everything. So my brother was allowed to come in at this time and I couldn't. And I'm like, why? Like, he was a boy. Well, what do you mean he's a boy? That's not right. Mm -hmm. So I would fight and I'd be grounded probably 90% of the time. Um, But you still found your ways to... Of course. Right. Of course. Um... You know, and, and I, I think there's a part of me at that time where um, the rebellious side of me would be, how can I really shock my parents? So 
So I started going out with this boy. So like intentionally? Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like looking back, I think it was. I, I mean, I, I, you know, at the time, I would never have thought it. I was 16. Sure. And I started going out with this boy who um, had long blonde hair. He looked a bit like Jimmy Page. Um, and, you know, leather jacket, huge motorbike, like a 750 Suzuki that he would come and pick, fetch me on. And my parents would freak out. <laughs> And that just added, and you know what? You learn those things as a parent. You're like, I will never do that with my kids. Like, mm. if, if it's a boy that I really don't like, I'm going to go, oh, right. he's lovely. I really like him. Because <laughs> to me, I would have gone, oh, okay, my mom and dad like him. Reverse psychology. <laughs> Reverse I mean, it really is. Yeah. So the more they dug their heels in and tried to stop me seeing him and everything else, the worse it got. Right. Um, to the point where I ran away with him at 18, um, we got married, um, which was the biggest mistake ever, but, you know, again, it was... Was it, like, someone you fell in love with, or just someone that you were like, I am in charge of my own life, I'm doing my own thing? I think thing. it was a little bit of both. Don't right. get me wrong, he, he had, um, an incredible charisma, um, you know, a lot of... Was it a schoolmate? No, 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 he was, like, four years older than me. Okay. Yeah, so he was working, and I wasn't, so there was all this <laughs> amazing kind of, oh, my gosh, he's so cool, and, like, he'd rock up on this bike, and he had the leathers. How could and, you resist? Yeah. Um, so you ran away. And we got married, and Ish. then... Yeah. Like your and, mom did? And then, 20 months later, I was, Mom, Dad, can I come home? <laughs> 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 this is terrible, it's not working, you know, he's... He's very controlling, and like, now he's married me, he wants to keep me at home and not see anybody else. So, yeah, so that was... Yikes. Yikes, yeah, exactly. And this was in the... Gosh, where are we? 70s? Yeah, so that would have been, um, yeah, late late 70s, yeah, uh, early 80s, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, you know, and, and you, you live and learn. Um, and then I met the father of my kids who was the complete opposite, um, worked in a bank. Yeah. Just kind, sweet, gentle, reliable, trustworthy, just the, the sweetest, sweetest guy. Um, and I'm an amazing father. I have, you know, two kids with him. And sure. They, they're great kids, and he's a great dad. Um, and then... What made you decide to, like, hey, this is the guy that I want to part... Was it just, like, the pendulum swinging to the yeah, other side? Yeah, I think it was a little bit. We worked together. Okay. Um, At the bank? Yes. And so you went so into worked, banking. So I went into dad. banking. Yeah, <laughs> right. I know. I know. And I and it, I, I think another thing that's always a little bit surprising to, um, especially American people, is I didn't go to college. Mm -hmm. uh, well, not at that point, anyway. Um, I left school at 17... Uh, got married <laughs> um, started working in a bank and back in those days it was before obviously all the automation that we have now so your typical branch would have 50, 60 people and they'd all be young, they'd all be in their 20s huh. we had the best social life alright, because you're making like decent money, yeah you're making good money and you know and you're, you're, you're in a career job hopefully right um, but we would, you know, we'd go out several times a week as a company. Um, you know, there were groups of us who were just very... There's a lot of camaraderie. Yeah, just very sociable. And, right. and he would be involved in that. And so All right. he started as a friend and then, you know, just became this person. I was like, you know, he's great. You know, I, I, know, I, I know I can trust him and I can rely he's on him. He's such a solid gentleman. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. for sure. Um, 
And so we end up getting married, um, have the kids. And then I guess when they were, they were teenagers. Um, I think James was in his last year at high school. And that was when Phil Rollins like bowled into my life. Um, you know, literally bowled into my life. How did that happen? So he'd, obviously we're from the same hometown. Okay, Stoke um, on Trent. Stoke on Trent. Okay. Yeah, we'd gone to school together. Right. Yeah. So we known, known we, yeah, yes. Yeah, we'd known each other at school. We'd actually I had, known you know, that. We'd been we'd been out together briefly. Right. Um, but he wasn't somebody in school that you ever gave gave a second thought to, or you? No, had, no, we you, no, we had some, we had a few dates. Oh, okay. Um, but then we were both um, big sports people and. We just didn't have time to see each other. Like every every night after school, I would have a practice of something, either swimming, running, uh, hockey, netball, tennis, wow, um, athletics, everything. I did not know this. Yeah, I yeah. played. Oh, I played every. Do you sport. still play tennis? Um, I don't play now. Okay. Um, but I I did love it, um, and I loved every sport. And he was a, he was into sports as well, and so we just said, you know, this isn't working out because we just are too busy. <laughs> we're both too busy. Okay. So we we parted ways. Um, so then what happened was he'd found me on a classmate's um, website um, and messaged me and said, hey, you know, I I left Stoke. I don't know if you knew this. Um, but was, you were not still living in no I right. was no I was in Shrewsbury which is about 30 40 miles from Stoke okay so I'd moved with with my ex-husband with the kids well they were born there um, I'd finished in the bank um, and I <laughs> don't even ask <laughs> I I was I was owning and running preschools so I oh. I don't know if you... You didn't know that one either. I don't think so. Okay. And right. I guess the way that started was I loved being at home with my kids. I had them very close together. They're right. like 19 months apart. Um, That's super close. Yeah. yeah. And when Nikki was three, um, I answered an ad to volunteer one morning in a preschool, which led to two mornings, which led to two days, which led to um, the, the lady who owned the preschool. And it was beautiful um a private preschool in a fantastic setting okay. massive garden she decided that i should be the person um who loved it as much as she did who would carry it on and would would look after it because she wanted to, to retire how so, long had you been there at that point um i'd probably been with her about two years okay um so that was when i went to college actually at 31 all right <laughs> Finally went to college. Never too late. Never too late. Never, too, never too, late. too late. And I, I give that message right. a lot to different people. Um, it's really not. I always think that like when you're 16, 17, 18, like when you're exiting this in this, and some people are born with their like, I want to be X. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a vet. They know. They know. But most really, of us, most of us don't. Most of us don't. At no. 16, I was like, I mean, no. I don't know that I knew no. what I wanted to do until a couple years ago, but I mean, it's just like. You're placing all of this expectation yep. on yeah. you're spending X amount of dollars at a, a grand university, and yeah. you're like, you don't really, you don't know about life. You haven't traveled. No, no. You haven't worked a job. You don't know yourself. Right. But then we're expecting them to invest this like hundreds of thousands yep. of dollars. Yeah. 
market. You don't know what you want to do for real. I know, which is right. why the gap year in England, I still think, is one of the best things yeah. ever. Um, take that year. I agree. Travel. I wish we had more of that. I wish people understood more of that. Yeah, I think not just here. it's not just the travel piece. It's learning to live on a budget, um, learning to get from A to B, um, becoming um, tolerant and, and understanding of other cultures mm-hmm. um my kids all all four kids actually are very well traveled mm-hmm. um, and i think that's for sure they're not um they don't necessarily want material things it's more about experiences and and you know having meeting people and living in different countries um and I think it then helps them when they go to college because they're much more independent. Yeah. And they've seen a bit of the world, so they have a little bit more of an idea of what they might want to do. And so for me, going back yeah, at 31 sure. or going to college at 31, it was a breeze because I was so motivated. I knew what I wanted to do. I wanted to do it quickly. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get it done. Um, so I did a um, early childhood education degree and then a management, a business management degree, pretty much at the same time. All and right. two kids and run, and the business. I mean, right. it was it was crazy. However, but you put your mind to it. And you're yeah, like, no, this is where I'm going to do. I'm going to do it. Right. Um, <clears throat> so we, myself and a business partner, um, ended up buying that preschool and then fairly quickly opening a second one because we realized we were only catering for um, the preschool age, so the sure. three to five to six years old. Okay. And we had all these parents saying, well, you know, I'm working twice a week and I wish you were open at seven in the morning and I wish I could pick him up at five and blah, blah, blah. So we opened a second nursery that was that was much more geared to, um, to, to working parents so that people could drop off in the morning. Right. And no, their kids were being taken yeah. care of for the day, and we we would take them from no. six months old. So we Aww. had we had babies, we had toddlers, um, and it was a really really successful business. In fact, the second preschool that we opened is still going strong now. Right. It was called Stargazers, and it's still <laughs> still going strong, uh, which is so so obviously it's it's great for me. Um, yeah, I love knowing that it 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 lasted uh, and it's still doing a good thing now. Sure. Um, so Mr. So when, Rollins. So when he arrived, I was obviously, I still had a business. Um, and we, he said, I'm coming over to England. Um, you know, And I'm, he was in the U.S. at this point? So he'd, he'd st- started a business in England that had very quickly spread across Europe and then inevitably into America. Yes. And they needed one of the partners, which ended up being him. Um, to be there so they were working with technology companies which obviously so many of them were based in America sure so he moved over um, and then at the height of the tech boom um, they sold the business for I think it was 250 million dollars which I didn't know any of this when I obviously when when he he, was no I mean he just contacted me and said hey you know um, I'm living in America Um, did you know um, I'm a part owner at Stoke, which I didn't. I mean, I was a huge... Stoke City is my hometown it's, soccer it's, team. Right. <clears throat> I've been a season ticket holder from when I was, you know, I don't know how old, young. Right. Um, I didn't even know that he was on the board and that he was a, uh, one of the minority owners. 
that. So you're he's coming back from like high school days. You haven't really Yeah, and I we have never spoken. Right. Not, not once. Right. Not once. And we're in our what late thirties at this point. You've got um, two young kids. And I've got two well they're, well they're has... teenage they're they're teenagers. Oh they're teenagers. Okay. And his kids are teenagers as well. Right. Um so he asked if I would meet him for dinner, I did and long story short, it was this crazy like oh my gosh, we have to be together, what do we have to do? So that was, it was messy. Sure. Of course. Yeah. Um, and it's never, it's never easy and you end up hurting people and I'm definitely not, not proud of that piece. Hmm. Um, but at that time it was, you know, it was this overwhelming, we have to be together. Um, and we ended up moving to America. Um, all his uh, money and his business interests and everything were, were here in America and if he'd stayed too much longer in England, which he stayed for a while because I had to figure out my business stuff. Sure. Um, if he'd and, stayed... And Nikki and James were coming with you? No, no, no. No. So that was, again, all these things yeah. were, were having to get sorted out. And they were in a very... Um, they were in a position where James was just finishing high school, Nikki was in the, the middle of high school, and it was just not a good thing to do transition for yeah. that yeah at that yeah. point and so sure hardest decision of my life obviously to leave sure. it was yeah it was hard um but I had the promise of you know you can fly back whenever you need to um you know that was that was obviously a, a um a great thing for me that right. I I knew you know and I always said to them you know I can hop on a plane and I'll be there in the morning so whatever you need, you know, if you need me, I'm coming. Yeah. So yeah, so that was obviously hard. Um, and then trying to blend two families where obviously his kids lived with their mom too. Sure. Uh, and so, they were in like n- north of London? No, that yeah, they were in, well, they were near to Bath. And, okay. Yeah. Right. So, so my kids and, and his kids would, would meet periodically and like, eh. You know, but not, you guys weren't there too much. No, no, in no. In the UK, no. So yeah. they would come out and stay with us. They'd come for summer holidays, all of that kind of thing. Sure. And so that's how it progressed. And so they didn't really become, I don't think, true friends until they hit their maybe their twenties. Um, and you know, for all that's happened since, mm-hmm. um, the thing that brings my heart so much joy is their relationship um you've met them so you know sure. um you know i have a 30 well no 31 two 30 year olds and a 27 year old um so two boys two girls yeah the girls are m's the oldest no no, no nikki James, James is the oldest. James is oldest right so he's the one traveling around the world he's been gone forever yeah 17 months now i think Nikki lives in Vietnam. He's rock climbing to his heart's, yeah, his heart's content. <laughs> Nikki's in Vietnam doing preschool teaching because that was her thing with me. Sure. Um, obviously, Emily's in London, just had a baby, and then John's here. But we get together, and honestly, I, like I say, it, that's what brings my heart joy when I know yeah. the four of them are together. Mm-hmm. Um, because they love each other, and they, they've gone way, way away from stepbrother stepsister it's a family this is my brother this yeah. is my sister they don't introduce each other that way anymore it's always um you know this is my sister and brothers which Absolutely. i just yeah it's 
So that's been that's the joy. Sweet. That's been... Not all blended families have that outcome. And no. So that's, yeah. Seriously. Right. And, you know, and remember, I studied, um, I studied preschool education, but I also studied children and psychology. Sure. Um, and so I'll take some credit for it in that I... We never pushed it. We never made them do anything. We let them do it naturally and come together naturally. Um, and thankfully, that just kind of matriculated yeah, by itself yeah, to yeah. So we were the amazing relationships because you can't force can't no, force that no. And so Nikki was thirty um, last year, and so for her birthday, um, we rented a house in Tuscany, in Italy, and we had uh, thirteen of us there. Um, but obviously all four kids, mm-hmm. their partners, some of our other friends that are, you know, absolutely adore my, uh, my, my kids. Uh, and we just had the, just the best time. Um, you know, so I think when you realize what's important, um, yeah, you realize that it is that, that family unit, yeah, right? It and is. Investing. Yeah. And I say having all this technology now where, you know, you can all get on a call together is just so cool yeah Uh, you know and it it keeps us connected and um you know we have a whatsapp group that you know and they have their own kids whatsapp group (laughs) okay i'm not not invited into that one and the way the reason i know but the reason i know that works is um i just got some bad news about one of my one of my dogs she has she has cancer Hmm. um and so i'd i'd been on the phone to Nikki um, and then I'm driving home from work and then John's calling me hmm. so I know that the jungle telegraph has worked and the kids have gone John you're the man on the ground right <laughs> you're the guy in Orlando call mom and just like make sure Check she's in. okay and I know and I just love that that they you know they have this immediate kind of okay this is what we got to do yeah you know, we're, we're gonna work together and we're gonna figure this out so they're awesome. That's they are. So They're sweet. my pride and joy. Yes. <laughs> and now I have a grandchild too. So Emily just had a baby. So the best. He's just the apple of my eye. Yeah. He really lucky. Is. Yeah. You realize how lucky you are. Yeah. With the expansion of the families. Yeah. I, yeah. I concur. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This episode of Cocktails and Conversation is brought to you by the Dinner Party Project. The Dinner Party Project is all about connecting humans around the dinner table. Right now, we are mostly based in Orlando, Florida. Whether it's joining seven strangers in an intimate setting around a dinner table or sitting in the street of Orange Avenue with 100 others watching flamethrowers, we love helping people feel connected to others and their city. We also offer private parties, so if you have a birthday, anniversary, team-building dinner, or corporate event coming up, we can create a custom, memorable event that you and your guests won't soon forget. We also help brands connect with their consumers by exposing their product in an elevated way to their target demographic. So if you live in the Orlando area and haven't joined us yet, what are you waiting for? We can't wait to hear your story around the dinner table. For more information, you can visit us at thedinnerpartyproject.co. So I'd love to back up a little bit sure. and you can tell me a little bit or as much as or a little as you want. But I would love to know, like, who was Kay in middle school? <laughs> secondary school, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Middle school, secondary school. Um, I don't remember so much about the, the middle school years. My high school years, I definitely do. High um, school. Okay. And I think more because 
Sport was my absolute life. Okay. Um, I was a pretty decent student. Um, you know, I was, I wouldn't say um, A's in everything, but pretty much. Um, pretty I, much, that's a pretty good student. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, but I, I was lucky that I, I, I found it fairly easy um, and had a great crowd of friends um, I hope we weren't the bullies. I don't think we were. Hmm. Um, that, that but was... you were kind of in that sports crowd and oh, in that sp- yeah, sports yeah, for world. Sh- for sure. Right. Um, and it was... Did you have a favorite sport? Um, hockey. Field hockey. Yeah. Really? I absolutely loved it. Okay. Yeah. And I think part of the reason there is um, we had a... All through high school, we had an almost invincible team. We just crushed it every week. And so that feeling of, oh my gosh, it's amazing. It Mm -hmm. is amazing to be part of that. And with a group of girls where you just get winning. Um, And that's just an amazing, amazing feeling. Um, So yeah, I I loved hockey. Um, I love the camaraderie, you know, obviously there's 11 on the side. It's it's very kind of soccer-esque. If I could have played soccer, I would absolutely have done it. But it wasn't a thing in schools in England huh. back in those days. Really? No, and it's only been fairly recently. To have, a, like, a high school soccer team? For boys, but not girls. Oh. Girls were not... It was not a Fair sport enough. for girls. Oh, okay. Um, so England's been... But, like, football or soccer was, like, oh, very... Oh, for, for sure. For the, oh, my gosh, yeah. Passionate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every, every, okay. every even small... But time. it hadn't matriculated down to, like, a high school women's... It just wasn't a girl sport. Girls didn't play. Girls didn't play. Girls did not play. No. But remember, I had two brothers, so... Um, so I, I can imagine how fulfilling it is now in of your course, career. Yes. Of course, of right. course, and I love that we can encourage girls to play. Right, and, and we've gone away from that. And America was ahead of that game anyway. Um, you know, I think Title Nine had a huge um, influence on um, women's soccer in this sure. in this country because um, it was well. We have to. We have to find a sport that girls can play what can they play yeah and that's where soccer is um and and remember and again it's why i love the sport is anyone can play soccer you you don't have to be six foot seven quasi you don't have to be 350 pounds you you can be you know lionel messi my opinion and there will be disagree people out there i'm sure but best player in the world he's five foot seven hmm so you can be a, a regular size, if you like, um, and play soccer. Sure. You can play if you're four years old. You can play if you're 44 years old. I played um, for, like, one year in, <laughs> in my senior high school. I went to boarding school my senior year. And I think that I got on the team because they needed, like, enough bodies on the field <laughs> to actually play. Because I was so clueless, and I would just, like, try to run. I did track for a little bit, so I could run a little bit. But I was just like, I am, I, here I am. Right. I am very clueless, but I'm on the team for, like, one season. But it was just so, like, ah, I am not, yeah. I mean, it's, it just takes so much skill, yeah. I think, too. It does, play. it does, but... But, I mean, in high school, you also just, like, need that experience yeah. to... But, but, but the, the great thing about this sport is we could go outside now and set up, you know, two goals in, in the, the street. In the front yard, yeah. In the front yard, wherever, and we played in the street when we were kids. Um, and, and 
all you need is the ball and off you go. Right. You can play. And I think that's what makes it a global sport. It's the only sport that's played in every country. And yeah. I've traveled Absolutely. extensively. Um, and wherever I've gone, even to the jungles of Borneo, <laughs> which is a true story, um, you can talk about soccer. People, yeah. they're they're playing soccer. So right, you know that's why I love this sport because it's so inclusive. Um, it cuts across sure. every barrier, racial barriers, you know, sexual barriers. It it doesn't matter. Everyone can play. It is global. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's, yeah. So yeah, that was my. But I lived for sport. Um, I really did. I played right. it. I practiced it. Um, lunchtime. You know, you were, you always got to be um, first in line for lunch because you usually had huh. you usually had a practice to go to afterwards. So okay. you'd always get to the front of the line. So perks of being a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. So so yeah, and then again, the rebellious piece of me was, you know, don't listen, mom. But you know, drinking at fifteen, mm-hmm. um, you know, going to um, pubs at that age, and that was. You could get away with a lot more back then, and especially if you were a girl, you could get away. They would let the girls in way more than they would let boys in. Sure. Um, so, you know, underage drinking, I mean, it's 18 in England, but, you know, we were 15. Uh, in pubs. Yep. Yep. Yeah. So, you know. Different era. Different era. Di- yeah. Different era, but, you know, again, you know, I think the more you try and ban something, the more attractive you make it. Especially and, the high schoolers. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, like I say, I was... Well, they tried to ground me, and then I'd still go, and then... It, yeah, it, I had a difficult relationship with my parents at that point. Um, I have apologized since. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they're still around. Fair they're enough. All, they're awesome. They're in their 80s, and they're still going strong. And, right. Um, but, That's yeah. Sweet. I, I think... I, I do think you learn from your parents about what kind of parent you will be, and I'm not saying I let my kids do anything, but I was definitely um, a, l- a lot more open and awake to what they were going through mm-hmm. um, and realizing, like I say, those things, when you start banning things, you actually make them way more attractive to, right. the, to that child. So. so I know that you'd probably say that your family and your children, of course, are probably your number one pride, but um, kind of up to this point, has there been... Um, a moment that you do feel a lot of pride in, like like a seminal moment? Sure. Um, I would say <laughs> the first game in Major League Soccer when we filled the bowl and mm-hmm. we had 62,500 people. That also gives people. me chills. <laughs> yeah. And that whole day, that whole day is surreal to me now. When I look back, it was like being in a dream. From the minute we woke up, we had the... Orlando Sentinel came to the house to to kind of cover um, like the day. Sure. Um, we had yeah. I couldn't tell you how many hundred people staying at the house. It felt like that <laughs> many anyway. It was a lot. Sure. All the kids were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got friends who'd come over from my brother had come over from England. Uh, we got friends from Austin. Those people sleeping on every spare Everywhere. surface in my my house. But we did breakfast that that morning, and the Sentinel came to kind of you know, this is what it's like in the house, you know, everyone's getting ready and everyone's putting on their purple. And I think driving through the city that day Mm -hmm. was so emotional, just seeing 
everyone wearing purple and purple flags and there was just people yeah. everywhere um, and the players actually experienced it too because very smartly um, Adrian the, the coach mm-hmm. um, had said we're all going to travel together we're going to arrive at the stadium together. together so they parked their car somewhere and they'd gone in a bus and they could hardly get to the stadium yeah I'm sure that was, was an overwhelming moment and for the player they talk about it now I mean they remember that moment just looking out and going whoa this is crazy um, so I mm. think that and I think standing on the field that day and just looking around at the all of those people and thinking we did it yeah we did it the dream the dream that we had here it is it's been realized uh, yes. so that was definitely just a emotional day incredible day and then you I know, was I was there on that day and it was definitely very overwhelming not in your the amount that you have poured into that I can can't imagine like that coming to a fruition but just seeing like the city show up for oh that and being surrounded gosh. By that amount and the energy, yeah, it was it was very special. It was special. It was, and even though in the end it was a tie, uh, a draw, right. it felt like we'd won because right. it was it was late on in the game and we were losing. And then Kakar, of course, it would be him, right? Um, just sent everyone into absolute raptures, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, people will remember that moment for for a lot of years. That it's one of those, and I think that's in the way in a way how we sold it right was you will say to your kids that I was, I was there. there I was there absolutely and that, I think that was that was a huge piece of people who came who you know we didn't have 62 and a half thousand fans of course we didn't but people wanted to be there to yeah. share that very special moment. that special moment in Orlando's history and then I think opening the new stadium um, same thing that was a a dream that was a um, your own yeah and it was it was ours and it was a collaboration too you know I love that so you've had a lot of amazing things in your life and things that you have brought to fruition um and then on the other side of that of life is um has there ever been like a moment that you have felt most devastated by Mm -hmm. and then kind of how did you pick yourself up off the floor and like what was the motivation for that to move forward um and I you know obviously when you you become um kind of a public figure everyone knows who you are and people knew who Phil and I were through the club um and so when he decided it was all over um at Christmas uh what 2016 now Known as Shipmas, by the way, amongst the family. Cause Fair that, enough. Because it was. Yep. Um, you know, that was when he told me that he'd found someone else and he was leaving. Um, I think there's there's the good and bad of being in the public eye. The the bad mm-hmm. piece is you're in the public eye. Right. <laughs> and so it's you, you sure. feel like you have to pace a face on every day and, you know, be that strong person and not not fall apart um you know your life still has to go on you know that you still have a job and you still have to function so you you have to do it yeah but the other side of that is you then find out who who all your friends are and I am Mm. I, I can honestly tell you I am so incredibly blessed um 
And that was when you realize all those people who come around you, obviously your family, that's that's a given. You right. know your family are going to come around Hopefully. you. Well, mine did. Yeah. Including, you know, his kids who are my kids. Yeah. Um, you know, they came around me too. Sure. Um, and we're just incredibly supportive. Um, my son moved back into the house with me. Yeah. Um, so he was there, like, all the time, which was incredible. Um, and I think, you know, and my advice to other people would be, there are some people who say to you when things like that happen, you know, I'm so sorry, and if there's anything I can do, just call me. Nobody ever call. You You don't make that call. You never ask. The people who are your real friends and your true friends... Show up show up yeah. and they they yeah. drag you out <laughs> they, <laughs> they make you go to things sure they turn up at your house with a bottle of wine <clears throat> um you know they cry with you whatever but they're the ones who don't let you go go yeah they they keep showing up and they keep turning up and you know i it was it was incredible for me and and I would include again my my purple family because the fans mm. the number of supporters I cannot tell you who reached out to me um, either on social media or through email or text message or they'd see me in the street, they'd see me somewhere. The hugs and the love um, that I got from them, again, so special. Uh, so I think that's how you get through it. You you gather your tribe around you. Right. Um, you know, you figure out at that time who that is. You figure out who that is, and then you get to yeah, yeah. You do wake up the next, you know. Yeah, wake up you keep and you yeah. keep on one I, one I, day at a time. I would wake up in the morning and I would have half a dozen text messages. I would have an inbox full of things. I would go on my Facebook and there'd be an inbox right. full of messages, WhatsApp. I mean, every <clears throat> every morning for months, and people just wouldn't forget. They didn't forget, and they just didn't let me. They didn't let me wallow, I guess. Mm. Um, and I'm a pretty strong person anyway. Um, I like to win. <laughs> um, and I so I think in my head it became then, I am not going to lose. So you're, you're not going to beat me by making me, you know, be crushed and be this small person. Yeah. Um, you know, I am going to rise up from this. And... I guess that was that was what happened, um, and it's it's actually interesting to me now when I see, looking back, I feel like maybe I was being kept back a bit, because I've done so much since I really feel like I've come into my own. Um, I've done a yeah. ton of public speaking, including yeah, you know um, a commencement speech at a college, and you know shock show. Right, yeah. I haven't done it yet. They Isn't asked, it? No, I did. Oh, you did the TED, TED Talk. That's right, TED did, Talk. Oh my gosh, okay. scariest thing ever. <laughs> that was one of my scary moments. Um, but lots but and lots of public speaking. Did it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, just um, really kind of embedding in the community and finding out mm. the projects and things that I'm passionate about and really getting beha- being able to get behind them. So now I look back and think, well, you know... Was I being kept in the background a little bit? Hmm. And, you know, you know, he wanted to be the face, and so you know, you be here. Uh, so, you but know. even I think in that arena, like it was so amazing to see, like you assert yourself, like you were two public figures, but like how amazing it was to like. I feel like you had 
a lot of your own identity yeah. without just being just like yeah yeah you know what I mean a yes. couple and, and yes. like you're just a plus one like you're not a plus one you're right. K you're like doing the things you're yeah. you are asserting yeah. yourself you have your own role within the you know the Orlando mm-hmm. city and and like how I think that kind of transitions into kind of like you're saying as like a strong woman um one of my absolute favorite things right now is the Enneagram which is just kind of I think that story shapes us in the the life events that happen to us and then the Enneagram or personality things is like how we are innately created to like inside of our DNA is this person and so like that is definitely shaped by life and that's shaped by who you are right some people Mm -hmm. are more um, just passive and more peacemakers and some people are more kind of like aggressive ag- aggressive and like kind of what they want and like achieving the things that they want. Um, so when I kind of asked you what you thought you were on the Enneagram, you had said a two and a seven. Mm-hmm. And so when I was trying to think, kind of guess on my own, I had thought maybe a two or a nine. So what's a nine? The nine is the peace peacemaker. Right. Because in a lot of um, ways that I've seen you as this very amazing way of um you have your hand in a lot of things and with a lot of people and connecting and kind of keeping the peace and so that was one that that kind of just like popped into my mind but the seven also just really made sense to me as far as so I'm going to read these um, just so people kind of know what we're talking about with the two and the seven (laughs) um so the Enneagram is just kind of like a nine personality categorization that's just a tool to help you figure out um, a little bit of your kind of in your innate and in, inbuilt um, ways that you perceive life and um, interact with other people yeah. and just all yeah. yeah it's it's very complex and it's very interesting. Um, so the two is really the helper, which is which is I, I mean a lot of aspects of what I I have seen in you, um, which is like the caring inter, interpersonal type. Uh, demonstrative, generous, uh, which I have kind of received from you a lot, Um, people-pleasing, and possessive. And the seven, which I also see a lot, is the busy, fun-loving type, spontaneous, versatile, distractible, and scattered. Um, Do you feel like you gravitate a little bit more strongly to one of these? Um, I think the two, just because I think my... And, and I hear what you're saying about the peacemaker piece, um, just because I think one of the the pieces I've learned that I'm I'm good at is is being a connector. Mm-hmm. Um, I know this community so well now, um, and so I think one of my gifts I can give to people now is I can't help you, but I know someone who can. Um, you know, or I hear what you're saying. That's not something I can do. But I, I can definitely point you right. to someone who can. Right. Um, and then sometimes it's bringing people to a table and, you know, getting everyone to sit down and talk. Um, definitely, you know, something I, I feel I can, I can help with and do. And then advocating on a, on a larger scale for the city. Right. Because I love the city and I want it to be the best city. It's already a great city, but we can always be better. Um, but also advocating for other people. Um, right. And I'm definitely someone that people come to uh, for help or for advice. Um, you know, and I, my um, 
my team at work know that um, when I've spoken somewhere, usually when I, especially if it's been a group of women, um, that I'll be gone for a month doing coffee with people because <laughs> because people will reach out to me and say, oh my gosh, you know, what something you said resonated or, you know, I'd love to pick your brain or whatever, the, whatever they want to do. And, and some, you have had, like, that brings you joy to be able to take the yeah, time because you, you have a lot on your plate, so to be able to take the time. But, I, but, but, you know, people reach out for a reason. That's always, that's my experience. And so I never say no. And, and a lot of times it's it's been a lot of students, UCF students, uh, Valencia, you know, a lot of students. Um, so I'll go and have coffee with them. Um, and then I stay in touch with them after that too. Uh, and again, it's usually, they just want to, they want to connect with you in some way, but they're, they're after, they want, they're looking for something. And sometimes it's just a bit of advice, you know. Right. Who, who can I... Little... Who can I speak to about Guidance. this? Yeah. Or, you know, this is the this is the course I'm doing in college, you know, what do you think? Whatever that, that piece of advice is, I don't mind. Um, and I just think time is a, it is a precious commodity, um, but it's one I'm willing to give and invest in because these are, these are our next young leaders. These are our, our women leaders. Yes. Um, and and I've, that's one of the things I'm very passionate about. And that's mm-hmm. not to say I don't have coffee with, with guys. Of course I do. Um, but it does tend to be a lot of young women who are trying to find their way in this world. And they just want a little bit of advice, encouragement. Insight. Whatever it is. Sure. I don't, I don't mind. Yeah. Um, and I am more than willing to give it um I look back on my life and I know throughout my life there have been people there for me um and I feel I'm at a great place in my life where I can afford to give it pay it forward sure um and I have a an awesome team in my office who I know I can who I know can take care of business when I'm out doing my coffee tour right <laughs> uh, but I love it and and you know it's great for me too because it keeps me it keeps me on the ground but it also keeps me updated with what is happening in young people's lives what are they thinking right you know where are they politically where are they you know you they- actually being connected in maybe like your stage of life that you maybe normally wouldn't like besides your kids but I mean yeah it keeps you young and it keeps you activated and interested and you know it it helps me understand where they're at you know what they're thinking um you know we've we've already seen you know I'll give you a great example is Anna Eskamani she's a a young dynamic uh, dynamic female leader who's you know not so long ago was in college um, and you know who knows where that next Anna is hiding, and and they're out there. Uh, and you know I would love to be someone who along that way gave them that little encouraging word or that little help um, right. up the ladder to to be that next you know that next generation of, of of female leaders. Right. So that's wonderful. So um, in learning about kind of like your personality and how you're built naturally, um, how do you think that that has like given you a greater awareness of like kind of the world that you interact with? Um, I think it's good for as much as anything. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm fairly self-analytical, um, but I think it helps you look at maybe some of the more negative things hmm. and think, well... 
okay, how can I Be improve? Stronger, uh, yeah, yeah, and how can I improve that? So I think I think that's an awareness piece. So I can read what that personality type is and go, you know, that actually, yeah, that's right. So that's something I can work on. And whether that's... Um, kind of knowing your blind spots? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm definitely someone who, who needs in a morning to make a to-do list because otherwise I can be, I can be very scattered in a day. Hmm. Um, my job involves so many moving parts that I'm like, oh, I need to do that. Oh, no, actually, I need, probably need to do that for, you know, and, and I'm all over the place. So, um, actually, Melissa Wiggins, I don't know if you know her, um, she gave me a book called The Five Second Journal. Okay. Um, and it's amazing. And so that's what it is. Each morning you write the, here's, here's one thing I must accomplish today, and then here's two or three others I would like to. Right. Um, so then it, it but it's help. putting pen to paper yeah. to and say like I yeah. can see this and yeah. then I can like have an actual yeah. like and this is, plan yes and this right. is you know and by the end of the day that's the and then, so then the next day it asks you did you <laughs> do <laughs> right and right. Then there's some fun little quotes there's some little challenges you can do there's a, um, a brain dump thing where you know if you're you're in the middle of the day and you're like oh god there's all these things going around in my head boom just throw right, them down, down so that's that's been a help for me because I recognize that my I, I do have so many things I'm on six different boards um I'm running a you know running a foundation yeah I'm, I'm VP of our community relations for the club you know there's so much going on in my life and I recognize that sometimes I'll do things that are the quick easy ones mm-hmm because I, I know I can check this off my <laughs> right. list instead of... The priority one. The priority yeah. one. Um, and so I think reading those kind of, um, here's what you're, you know, here's some of the things that, that are natural to your personality type can help you then improve because it, mm. it, it makes you look at, okay, that's the thing I don't really like about myself or that's something I think I need to change and improve. Right. Then it, it brings it to your attention, if you like. And I think that's what's good about it because then you can do something with it. Yeah. So how do you think like knowing this information has helped you in your personal and or professional life? Um, I think again, I definitely think I'm definitely a believer in karma. Um, I think what you put out there, um, and I feel like I'm not, I'm not, Mm. um, religious in any way mm-hmm. however I think I adhere to a lot of um, I have a, a good moral compass mm-hmm. so I feel like I do good in the world um, and so I feel like that comes I definitely feel that comes back to you uh, you know that's I am a believer in that and, and you know like I say I saw it manifested when when you know I was going through trouble in my life that all of a sudden all these people appeared who stuck by you yeah who who wanted to help right and you then realize that's because you are that person as well that you are the person who will come will be there for someone else right (laughs) um so i definitely think those those traits um and i've said this to my mom before um you know did you ever think i would turn out like this (laughs) because i was such a horrible horrible teenager same I fought them on everything I mean I yeah. I literally hated my parents when I was younger 
I was always like, I never want to have the child that I am because I know that I'm like being right. a horrible person yeah. right now. But like as a teenager, you don't have like that clarity of thought. But I was like, but I know that I am not doing well by my parents or by no, me. No, but having worked right? having worked with toddlers, toddlers and teenagers are the same thing. Hmm. It's all about ego. It's all about yourself at the time. You become very egotistical uh, as a teenager. It's all about you. You're, you're pulling away from your parents. You're, right. you're finding your independence, your identity. Yeah. Your identity. Sure. And, and you're just like a toddler. You are, you're, <laughs> and you throw tantrums in exactly the same way as toddlers do. Right. Um, so, you know, I've spoke to my, my mom about it and said, you know, did you ever think I would turn out like this? Because I was such a horror. And she said, you know, you you had the building blocks hmm. of the goodness and the kindness and the, you know, all the things that your parents do instill in you and teach you when you're younger. And you may go through that crazy stage, but it will all come back to that grounding that you had then. And I definitely right. feel that that's what happened to me. So I turned out okay in the end. <laughs> <laughs> I would concur. I would concur. Um, I would definitely say that I am just like amazed at your depth and your lightheartedness as a person. Um, I know that you have seen some rough times and I know that you've also enjoyed seeing your hard work pay off um, in this city. Um, I really do think that Orlando is lucky to have you as a leader. Oh, thank you. Um, and it really isn't an easy thing for everybody. Um, and I just want you to know that like, it's not lost on this city, the way that you interact with people because it, your kindness and your attention to like actually take coffee with somebody, I think is a very rare thing for kind of people that are in the position where you have a lot on your plate and you're doing a lot for this city. And so, um, when I hear people of inter interacting with you, they always just like have a smile on their face when they're talking about you. So, you. Oh, that's um, nice. that's good to know. <laughs> yeah. And instead of starting out with this, I kind of wanted to do it kind of towards the end, but, um, I would just, I just like have seen and I've been so amazed by the myriad of ways that you want to serve this city and can you tell us a little bit in your own words, like what uh, you do with the Orlando City Foundation? Sure. Um, and again, it's a, it's, it's a pride and joy. <laughs> it's another child of mine, if you like. Um, and I think that was born out of seeing the need and so many needs um, in, in every city, but certainly in our city. Um, lots of nonprofits out there doing amazing, amazing work. Um, and trying to be all things to all people, which you can't. So made the decision to start our own foundation, um, continue to support those other nonprofits through our community relations department. Mm -hmm. So, you know, sure. if you're a nonprofit and you, you know, you're having an event and you need an auction item, we're all over it. You know, you can go on our website and you can sign up and you can, you can apply for one. Um, but obviously, again, being so um, into physical fitness and, and growing up, running around my whole life, sure. you know, was never still as a child. And seeing the, um, the obesity problem that we have here, and in particular with children, and unfortunately, you know, Florida, we're top, one of the top of the charts, which is not where we want to be. And then realizing that I'm, I'm in a sport where 
you know, there's some of the fixed athletes. It's a car- absolutely. You are running. Oh yeah. For so, I, yeah, yeah. I just exactly. watch these guys, and I'm yeah. like, yeah. If Cardi- I can go two miles on a treadmill, I'm doing good. So exactly. So cardiovascular sport. I mean, our our players run between five and seven miles in a game in sure. 90 minutes. Um, so, but but again, this whole thing that anyone can play. So we started looking at what could we do. So we we originally partnered with the U.S. Soccer Foundation. Um, they build, they call them safe places to play. So for instance, we're obviously in Paramore. Um, we can't just go and land, you know, five or six different uh, huge soccer fields, but we can put uh, mini pitches. So what we what we did in conjunction with City of Orlando, is who we started with, um, we went to Jackson Community Center. Mm-hmm. They had um, three tennis courts. So we asked if we could have just one of them. Sure. Um, we turned it into a mini pitch, so it's purple, of course it is, <laughs> with a goal at each end, and obviously a fence so that the ball doesn't keep um, going over into the um, the, the tennis, yeah, and into In the, the tennis, room. yeah, into the okay, tennis courts right. too, so that you can still use them. Um, and again, we didn't just want to give a facility; we wanted to activate it. Uh, we wanted to make sure we were um, teaching hmm. the, the soccer programs, so. We bring free soccer programs. Um, the kids get everything that they could possibly need, including um, footwear if they don't have the right footwear. Right. Uh, we work with each centre that we're in. Do they want us once a week, twice a week, three times a week? Um, but each week has a theme. Um, so the kids obviously learn a skill, but we have a word. So we have a word of the week. All right. Attitude, respect, yeah. teamwork, you know, all of those. I love it. All of those words. And then the third aspect is a nutritional piece. And so we teach them, I mean, kids, kids hear all these words, protein, carbohydrates, you know, whatever. They don't know what they are. Right. So each week we teach them a different thing and, and you bring it into the, there's some fun games you can do where you actually bring it into the soccer scale as well. Um, but that was when we started realizing we were teaching kids about, um, healthy food where they didn't have access, access to it which is how we ended up being gardeners <laughs> i never thought i would be in gardening let me tell you right soccer team in gardens <laughs> okay um but it's actually wonderful because we've now gone back and we're we're putting gardens in to where we've got mini pitches as well and so the kids learn about planting uh watering nurturing growing and then eating what they've grown sure um and so we've put um quite a few now Uh, some of them are big so they're like some are big community gardens so there's like 20 raised beds each family has their own bed yeah they plant what they want to plant in it Uh, we give them access to um you know some seminars on composting or what to plant when sure um the biggest one we did was out at Lake Druid. I think there's 50 beds there. It's huge. Right. Um, but for the kids, they've got this great holistic piece now where they're seeing things growing and they're making that connection that this good food, if you put it in your body, makes results, you, results in right. this. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and the great thing for us as a soccer team is we bring our players. And so the players talk to the kids about, I, I drink water or, you know, I, I juice. I mean, yeah. we've had players come out and show them how to. Do, they've let the kids have a go, like juicing, 
um, you know, and showing them that th here's another way you can eat your vegetables. You know, we can put this, 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 and this in, put a bit of carrot in to make it a bit sweeter, whatever, and then you can drink your vegetables. So, you know, it's, it's those kind of lessons and having the club be so supportive of the foundation um, means that we can use these players and, you know, we have, obviously we have the pride. Yeah. So we have female role models who are badass women <laughs> who we can take out to, you know, to, to talk to these girls. Sure. Um, so I, as you can tell, I love what I do. I get up with a smile on my face every day because I yeah. know... I know I'm, you know... What an amazing I, position to be in. It is. Right? No, it is yeah. a great position. Um, you know, and I, I'm i on a bunch of boards. Um, only ones, again, that I feel incredibly passionate about. Um, and and if I feel like I can do, bring something to the table. Mm -hmm. uh, so outside of soccer, what are some of the things that you are passionate about? So I'm on the board of the Boys and Girls Club. Because mm -hmm. um, I adore what they do. Yeah. Um, you know, they are turning out these incredible young men and women from these very underserved areas. Uh, so I love what they do. Uh, Cannonball Kids Cancer is my, she's my dear friend now. Um, she, her little boy had cancer when he was 18 months old. Uh, she'd just given birth to twins. So she has three little boys. Wow. He's, so again, he's just been... No evidence of cancer again. He's right. six, I think he is now. Um, but she started a foundation that looks at research. So she was horrified by the fact that uh, children are given basically a watered-down adult chemotherapy and that we don't... The, 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 the dollars that are spent on pediatric cancer research is tiny compared to all the others. Right. So she started her own foundation and last year they, they hit their first million... Uh, that they raised last year, um, and it all goes into research, right? Which is incredibly important. Um, the homelessness piece is obviously a, a big passion point for me. Sure. Um, I'm on the the commission board, um, and you know that that will continue to be for me because that's something we can solve <laughs> if we if we all get together and we work together, and if this city comes together around Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, you know, we're there's lots of different ways of helping, and different businesses can get involved. But it's working. We're putting people in housing, and they're staying in housing. And um, we're giving them the wraparound care that they mm. need. Uh, the housing first model is is the new way forward. People are coming out with, you know, can we do tiny houses? Can we, sure. you know, can we right. do more? You know, so there's there's a lot of solutions out there, but it's definitely one um, that's not keeps me awake at night but definitely um keeps me involved and keeps me interested all the time um and i've been impressed with uh the number of people that are involved in it that are not not the providers because obviously they're involved but the number of other business leaders who also feel stepping passionately and to step exactly stepping helping up helping to address yeah, the needs yeah, yeah. so you know, there's a there's a lot of amazing things going on in this city, and I just love being connected, um, and I love the way that we come together, and we've shown it over and over again as a city that we know how to collaborate, how to come together, and how to be. It's a really cool thing to be a part of. I feel like we're in, in this, this beautiful bubble yeah. where we're inclusive, 
um, you know, this is such a great And growing city. and being in a, in a place to actually shape kind of like what Orlando yeah, is, is exactly. forming into. Yeah, for sure. Which is, yeah, a really cool place to be. It is. In, in our city. Yeah, and it is. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, you've got a lot on your plate. You're, you're helping to run the foundation. You're on six boards. You've got, you know, four kids and all these things. And one thing that I've just um, been more passionate about lately is the theme of rest. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something that people don't talk about enough right. and they don't do enough of. Um, and especially in the past year, I think it's something that's become pretty essential um, in my life, but, um, what are maybe some of the practices that you have adopted into your world that look like rest, uh, brunch and renew Sunday brunch, Sunday brunch. Amen. That is my, honestly, that's like on the regular. Yeah. That's pretty much every week, every week. Yeah. It's not always the same people. It's, it's very often a lot of different people and different places. I like trying new places. Sure. But it's to me that is. Do you have a favorite or two? Um, Maxine's is is a, obviously a big favorite. Yeah. Um, I like Luke's. Yes. Um, I like Osprey Tavern. Um, there's a there's a there's a bunch of just great. I mean, great we have places. great eats in this city. Yeah, we do. I know we are very. We do. Yeah. But I think why I love brunch is so here's my Sunday morning routine is I get up. Um, and a lady who's been coming to me now for five years, maybe more, comes and gives me a massage in my house. I have my own table. Yeah. <laughs> my own table. So the, the beauty Lucky. of that is you get up, you put your robe on afterwards, you don't have to get in a car and drive anywhere. Right. So then I have like an hour kind of to just chill and relax mm. and um, catch up on the papers, you know, maybe read a bit of news. Very often watch soccer because you know it's the English Premier League is on Saturday and Sunday mornings and it's back on at the moment right um and then brunch and so my Sunday is usually that's my rest it really is my day of rest right um I don't really schedule too much of anything else um sometimes I'll be a you know go out for dinner on a Sunday night but it's it's my it's my Sunday fun day um I've gotten into yoga um, I have some. I actually have a wonderful app on my phone that I use a lot. Um, do you mostly do it on your own, or do yeah. you go to? No, I'll do it on my own. Okay. Although I do have a lady I've gone to who I adore. She reminds me of um, Frankie in Frankie and Grace. Okay. So yep. Lily Tomlin. Yeah, Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Yeah. So that character. All right. She's kind of a yoga teacher. Yeah, kind of <laughs> hippie older lady, just adorable. Uh, she's great um, and very good for um, as you get older and you're creakier you, know, <laughs> you, you, you need a different kind of yoga sometimes All right. Um, but I do again that's very often a Sunday um, there, there's I have I have some that are morning stretches and I have some that are there's a this app is great because it has like evening kind of stretches that you can do as well so right. that when you go to bed you're you're just in totally a totally zen. Yeah, you're totally in a, relaxed. You're in such a good place. Right. Um, I also have a meditation app on my phone, so especially if I feel like I'm going to have a disturbed night, like something's on my mind mm-hmm. and I'm thinking about something, um, I'll use the meditation app because you can have one 
Hmm. There's a 30-minute one, an hour one, and somebody basically talks you to sleep. Right. And it's fabulous. So you kind of get, like, sucked into that, like, mindset, and then yeah. takes all the other things and just yeah. drains. Yeah. It's it's just this lovely, soothing voice that just, right. that, that, you know, talks you into a state of sleepiness. And it's and it's also invading, it's pushing out those thoughts that you're trying to have. Right. Because you've got someone else talking. I've never heard the end of it because I always fall asleep, <laughs> right. so I don't know how it ends. That's the name of the game, right? <laughs> Which is how it should right. be. Yeah. Um, so I, I do have those little tricks, I guess, in my my uh, arsenal of, of things, you know, that help me um, relax. I think I'm I'm also lucky that I am not a worrier. Hmm. Um, you know, sometimes to to the point where probably I should worry, but I don't. Um, I just find it such a negative emotion and, and that's all very well for me to say because um, I know people who do worry and they can't switch it off but somehow I, I've been able to do that hmm. um, and I think that helps me I mean, you know, two of my kids one one's living in Vietnam the other one, James, has been traveling, traveling, traveling and he's been living in different countries he's been, right. he'll send me he'll put things on Instagram <laughs> that he'll put sorry mom um, in the comments because he's hanging off a mountain somewhere on a rope that he is so if I was a worrier you would um, never see the end of it I, yeah I, yeah I'd be a wreck right um so I've learned I guess to compartmentalize and put those things away and think well worrying won't change anything yeah and I've I've totally accepted that and so I feel lucky that I don't worry because I right. I know it's That's not a huge it's not an easy skill or blessing to uh, No, right. it really is. Yeah. It is. Um have that ability. You know, and I think even through the years of, of the start up of the business with the with the soccer team, there were times when, hmm. you know there were bad times. Of course there were, where you know, we didn't know didn't how we know were gonna the income the outcome. No, no. Right. Where we gonna you know, how are we gonna keep paying people and you know, should we even keep doing this? Why are we doing it? And that was always my staunch belief that it was going to be okay. Don't worry. We keep going. We're going right. to do this. We're going to do this. It's all going to work out. That's a beautiful <laughs> perspective. <laughs> one, one to no, to I, aspire to. I think I do feel fortunate. I yeah. do, but no, I'm I'm just not. I'm not a worrier. So that's good. beautiful. Yeah. How do you think that rest has shaped your life? I think it's essential. Um, I don't know how people function. I know there are people who say, oh, you know, I only need five hours sleep a night or... Not me. <laughs> not me. No, nor me. I'm so, an eight-hour girl. And I, Yeah, and I think it's it's an energy sapper. If you, if you don't function, you don't function properly the next day. Um, and even even having it in your daily life. So I wouldn't say I was... You know, I'm a. I always have to have an hour of lunch. Um, I get invited to a lot of lunches, so I'm very and that's very often work. It's not really right. It's not really relaxing. Um, so at my desk, I will very often eat at my desk, but I'll watch TED talks, mm -hmm. and that's hmm. my that's and that's a You're rest. Giving your yeah because your you know, mind and, and that's a little sometimes, break. Sometimes that's bad. <laughs> You suddenly realize you've been there over an hour and you're like, oh my gosh. Cause, it's 3 p.m. Because one TED Talk leads to another TED Talk. Um, but I'm a big reader too. I love, love, love to read. Um, 100%. So that's a, 
that is absolutely that's like a holiday for mm -hmm. me um especially me, a book almost anywhere yeah that's, yeah that's a, that's a vacation right there um and so i did i did um i do have a kindle um i love real books but i do have a kindle because mm -hmm. if i travel i can't carry as, as many books as i need if I i'm going on a beach a holiday book. i can read a book a day pretty much mm. Um, and so I need, I need a Kindle because pack light. I just cannot pack all, right. the, all of those books. Fair um, enough. Uh, but no, reading is an absolute, um, that's, that's rest Escape. and relaxation yeah. for me. It really is. Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So as we wrap up, I wanted to ask if there was any piece of wisdom in all the years and all the story that you have gone through if there's any piece of wisdom that you would share with us um i do think uh gather your tribe um because they become they are important in your life and they will be important in your life in the bad times so make sure you have people around you who yeah. who lift you up who energize you, mm. who you walk away feeling happy because you've seen them. Right. And and start getting rid of the negative energy people. If, if you're going to a meeting, a lunch, a dinner, and your feeling is of, of apprehension or, I don't really want to do this, I am way past the point now of doing it because someone thinks I should. Um, I do it because only because I want to now. Um, I've reached that age, thank goodness. <laughs> um, so, I, the people who are in my life now, and you're one of them, um, are people who who bring joy, who who uh, invigorates, who um, make me feel better, who lighten my life, who've been kind. You know, all of those good emotions in you. Yeah, yeah. Th those are the people I want in my life, and so. I would say from as early a point in your life as you can, mm. gather those people around you. Right. Because um, you will need them. There will come a point in everyone's life. We all go through it. Right. Um, I can remember the first time I spoke about the divorce um, was at a women's event. Um, actually, the I Am Brave con um, oh, uh, yeah. I Am Brave conference, not last year, the year before. I was there. Right. And yeah. I had this lady chase me down I had to leave. I'd, I'd got, uh, something was going on at the stadium, so I couldn't kind of stay around for the rest of the conference. Um, they gave me an award, which was really sweet, and then I had to leave. And this woman literally chased me down the stairs um, at the Dr. Phillips Center, and she said, I just want to say to you, thank you. She said, what you just said resonated so much with me, and the fact that it's something like that can happen to someone like you <laughs> makes me realize I can get through this as well and hmm. I was like oh my <laughs> I get I'd coffee with her right <laughs> of course I did right um but that was when I, I guess I realized I had a voice um that I yeah. could use mm -hmm. in, in a good way um but yeah standing that, on your own amazing two feet right yeah but, but, but that's that's yeah. seriously is is gather those people gather those gather your tribe and and be that person for them because that's when they will be that person for you um, Absolutely. so you know pay it back pay it forward um, and just be kind it's the simplest two little words in our language but 
that, that it go it would go a long way in this world if we 100%. could all if we could all do it. I know. <laughs> be kind. If I could be that person 100 percent of the time. <laughs> well, yeah. But even trying in the moments that we can, absolutely to be kind and yeah. to make this world a better place. And I think that I see you doing that um, a lot, which is very um, inspiring Thank in you. making our city a better place. So. Those are all the things. Thank you so much for taking your night and just sitting on this couch and sharing a drink with me. Thank you for and, having me. Oh my gosh. I enjoyed it. My pleasure. Yeah, this is a, a fun adventure to be on to, I think, share some of these stories. Um, so until the next time, thank you so much, Kay. Thank you. Yes. Thanks and good night. Much love. Thank you a million times over for listening to Cocktails and Conversation podcast. I hope you have enjoyed all of it. If you have, would you do me a huge favor and rate, comment, and subscribe for more Cocktails and Conversations?